what is the, what is the saying? I catch uh, catch flights, not friends. Catch flights, not feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, catch flights not like feelings that. yeah right. that's my motto <laughs> i struggle that's with awesome. it but uh... hi guys happy tuesday and welcome back to comes with baggage this is caitlin and this is chris <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> I can tell. I love it. Love the enthusiasm. Full of beans. I'm still high on the uh, the morphine and the whatever it was they gave me at the dentist today. Oh, dental work done. I got a root canal for forty dollars. So um, that is a bargain in any language. Oh my god! I need so much dental work done. I need to probably be cheaper for me to fly down there. Could be. Yeah, I, the number of people I've talked to today who are like, yeah, I came here to get some dental work done, loved it, and now I live here. So <laughs> Vietnam's uh, not the worst place in the world to get dental work done, that's for sure. That uh, would... I was looking at like $1,000 for the same thing in Australia. So $40 US, I'll take that and keep the rest for beer and video games. That would totally be me. I would be the person to come down there to just get <laughs> dental work and then just never leave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh. I mean, uh, Hoyan's gorgeous. It's it's hard not to fall in love with it. Um, I didn't come for dental work. I, I came for the beaches and stayed for the dental work. So, <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad that your teeth are all fixed and feeling better. And I'm super jealous about the cost of that because I'm looking at a much higher bill for my work. <laughs> uh, well, um, commiserations. You can always, you know, if you need a place to uh, crash while you get some dental work done, we have a, a very comfortable couch. Um, that you'll be more than welcome to huddle up in between appointments. I might just have to take you up on that. Free accommodation too, man. I know. It's just <laughs> Vietnam just keeps on giving. It does. Um, <laughs> well, what have you been up to this week? Oh, good. Today, this week, just like working and constantly, constantly searching flights for this wedding in Ireland and still not finding anything I'm willing to pay for yet. Oh, the struggle. I've been honeymoon planning, so I'm in I'm in the same boat. It's like, oh, that looks affordable. Oh, but the flight there's really high. Or that flight looks really good, but I don't want to stay on that island. So that's been a lot of fun. Where are you guys going for your honeymoon? We're thinking uh, Fiji, and we were thinking Tonga to swim with the humpback whales, but that's out of season for our honeymoon. We're going in October. So we're thinking now we're just going to do like two or three weeks just chilling on Fiji. No laptop. No, like, no work checking in with me, just sun, sand, kava, sleeping. It's going to be great. I'm excited. That sounds amazing. And some shark diving. I've been <laughs> told I have to have shark diving in there. So that's, That sounds so uh, lovely. We'll have to record a few episodes before you go so I don't bug you while you're there. <laughs> <laughs> or I could just be on my honeymoon like, no, baby, baby, just I'll be in in a minute. Just let me finish recording. <laughs> No, I'm happy to leave you alone for a few weeks. A <laughs> couple of weeks. We'll just get a couple in the can before I go. Who knows? By then we might need a break from each other. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Yeah. Um, how was... Uh, we talked about it on past episodes. I feel like you need to let people know real quick, how was your bachelor party? It was good. Yeah, Las Vegas with 10 Australian guys. Um, wasn't as debauched as you would think. Um, we went to a rec room. If you've heard of those, it's basically just a room where they give you hammers and baseball bats and crowbars and you just destroy shit. So we got to smash printers and video cassettes and furniture and windshields. 
for like a solid hour and you're drenched in sweat by the end, but it's like surprisingly cathartic to just beat stuff up. Oh, I'm not surprised um, by that at all. <laughs> I feel it was like... it was good. Like there's a couple of guys who work in IT and they were like they I, I feel like they had erections by the end of the smashing. They were <laughs> oh, that God. they were that relieved. Just beating the shit out of computers. <laughs> but then we went then we went more standard and we did like a, a pub crawl on one of those you know those bikes where you all sit around a bar and you pedal together and Oh yeah, I love we, those pub bikes. Yeah, and it got sloppy. We ended up at a place called Hogs and Heifers, which is as classy as it sounds. <laughs> and it's got girls dancing on the bar and yelling abuse at you as like as the as the groom to be. I was um I was trying to go to the bathroom and I hear my name called, so I run out and this this girl's up on the bar, and she's giving me, uh, she's pouring a shot into my mouth, but from between her legs. Yeah, that um, sounds about right. Yeah, and then I, as soon as this is done, I'm like, I really need to go to the bathroom now. So I duck <laughs> back in, and then I hear, how much does this guy shit? And I get called out again, and she abuses me some more. <laughs> oh it was God. good. I've never been to this place, but <laughs> it's like Coyote Ugly. Uh, I think that's kind of the thing they're going for there. It's like. Um, Scantily clad girls dancing on bars, yelling abuse at the customers. Yeah, sounds and, very uh, Coyote Ugly-like. It's like knockoff yeah. Coyote Ugly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I, there's like a two-hour window where I do not remember. Like, I don't remember dinner. They had a reservation. Apparently, I started to fall asleep at the table. Uh, <laughs> my, my literal, I have like a brief flash of my sober friend who doesn't drink walking me around, like, around the block a few times, like, you know, getting me, getting my head right. And then my next memory, I'm having it. I'm like, it's like I just flashed to this deep and meaningful conversation with one of my oldest friends in the golden nugget outside a restroom. I don't know how I got there. I don't remember <laughs> making that call. I'm just in the middle of this, like, seriously, man, I love you. And I just want us to be friends forever. And I, I don't know how that started. And I don't know if it was it's a basically successful like every drunk white 20 year old girl <laughs> <laughs> just professing yes. her love to all of her friends. <laughs> Yeah, so that was my night, and uh, I think we were all passed out by midnight. We did start at, like, noon, but we were, like, done. And meanwhile, my fiancé was out with uh, some of the wives uh, for the night, and they didn't get to bed till 4 a.m., so they they kicked our asses a little in the staying pad. <laughs> but, yeah, it was good. It was good. It was, you know, I definitely felt seedy the next day, and I had that mad anxiety. You know, where you're like, what did I do? What did I say? Did I offend anyone? And they're all like, dude, no, you're annoying us now. You were fine yesterday. <laughs> So uh, I know, it was a good time. A good that time. sounds great. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to do another bachelor party. I feel like if I'm having two weddings, I deserve two bachelor parties and two honeymoons. That sounds right? completely logical to me. Sounds, yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that. I would vote yes for that. Um, well, for people listening, we've got a, another interview today. Um, so this guy is one of my old friends from my days in Prague. Um, he's kind of mastered what it's like to travel the world and find jobs in different places or work remotely in different places. And he's somehow figured out the ability to be able to do that. And legally, I might add, <laughs> not like some Always of us good. who just find cash in hand jobs and overstay our tourist visas. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not talking about myself at all. No, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> um, he's figured out how to do it the legal way, the right way, so it's sustainable and you can do it long term. Um, I love working abroad. I think it's such a great experience. Um, between the both of us, we've worked quite a few jobs abroad. 
yeah, I taught uh, English in South Korea and China. Uh, I what else have I done? Uh, well, obviously now I work abroad, um, reporting live from Vietnam. I work for a safari company and do all that online, so I've done that. Um, and obviously the freelance writing, travel blogging thing as well. But uh, this guy Swig's really cracked the code. He's got he's actually got like good paying jobs abroad, which I haven't <laughs> managed to master yet. I mean, I feel like there's like a trade off of fun excitement and not much pay or a lot of pay and just like kind of a real boring job yeah <laughs> and, and i'm sure which you can like, find why did i leave <laughs> yeah i wish i i'm sure like people can definitely find the happy medium of that but like i've worked abroad but i worked in pub crawls and backpacker bars and hostels and i had the best time or i've nannied as well oh yeah and their jobs that i had like the best time at. I was getting paid to hang out with backpackers and drink and have fun and, you know, do crazy things. I don't know. But I wasn't getting paid that much. <laughs> and it's tr- funny because now you, you talk about that and I'm like, you'd have to pay me a lot to hang out with backpackers now. I'm getting old. Like, I'm old and bitter. Oh, yeah. I mean, the number of people that used to come up to me on the pub crawl and be like, wait, so you actually get paid to do this? Like, Basically, we're paying you to do the exact same. Like the the people on the pub crawl are paying me to do the to exact drink same with them thing that I'm doing, <laughs> but I'm getting paid for it. Um, Boom! But no, I mean I did it for years, and it is a six or seven day a week job. And there does come a point when you're like, this is not fun anymore. It actually does feel like a job. Like sometimes you just want to go home and curl up on the couch and not have to be fun and entertaining. And, I um, I feel that every day, every day I'm on, <laughs> and people are just turning to me to brighten their days, and it's it's a struggle. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was just like, you know, I probably I would I couldn't do it again. Every once in a while, if I go back and visit like Prague or Croatia, where I did these uh, pub crawls, and I'm just visiting, it's fun, you know, for a day to be like, yeah, I'll help yeah. out, like, you know, see what it's like again, relive the glory days. But I would never. Do it, go back and do it again. Long <laughs> Those term. days are behind and you. And it's just because, you know, I just don't have the energy for it anymore. And I also just don't care to get super drunk every single night. The hangovers are a lot worse in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I think that catches up with you. But it's definitely such a fun experience. And, you know, I did the, I got my TEFL and like almost taught English abroad. And But I'm constantly searching for ways to get actually a legit job abroad so that I can live abroad legally and long-term and one that doesn't involve copious amounts of drinking. And so I really enjoyed this conversation with Swiggy and I think he has a lot to offer. Yeah. Cause I mean, he has got a, a book coming out. So, or, or it is out. Now. It is out. Yeah. So Yeah. So he's sort of, I mean, obviously that's his main motivation for wanting to chat with us, but I think it's, it's something that a lot of people are going to take a lot away from. Yeah, and I mean, also, it was just um, yesterday, I think, Forbes even just wrote an article on him um, about his book and his story and him, you know, how he's teaching travelers to stay on the move and still keep a job. Um, So, yeah, he's definitely, he's an interesting guy. He has a lot of knowledge to share, and um, I think you guys will get a kick out of him. Let's bring it on. Awesome. Um, real quick, before we introduce the guests, everybody remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Please, it takes 30 seconds, and it does so much for us. 
Um, and then follow us on all the socials, send us messages, send us questions, tell your friends, share us on your stories. Airdrop Um, us. Oh yeah. Airdrop. Please. I hope people (laughs) are really doing this. I, (laughs) I even went through the effort of changing my name and photo on my phone because I'm like thinking about doing this I haven't had the balls to do it yet but just go around crop dusting us all over the world just <laughs> dropping just dropping comes with baggage into people's phones un- unawares crop dropping crop dropping oh I like it it's a new thing it's a uh, patent pending okay uh well here you guys go enjoy this conversation with Swiggy Woo. Welcome, Mike, to Comes with Baggage. So great yeah, to have so you much here. For me. <laughs> You're calling from where are you calling from? Uh, currently based in Medellin, Colombia. So I've been here for around two years now. Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't even know that. So for um, those of you listening, Mike and I are friends. Uh, we go way back. I don't know. When did we meet? Seven years ago? Eight years ago? Yeah, I think it was around. It must have been 2011 or 2012 when uh when i relocated to prague yeah so i was living and working in prague at a backpacker bar um if anyone's <laughs> been to prague it's called the drunken monkey <laughs> it's oh, a lot well, of fun it sounds like a classy establishment <laughs> it's still going strong it sure is a lot's changed over the last seven years but it is still going strong apparently i can't even remember the last time i was there but uh yeah Mike and I met, you were living in Prague at the time? Right. I was working as a professor teaching finance at one of the Czech universities. Damn. That's right. I knew you were teaching, but I couldn't remember what you were teaching. And then um, you used to just come drink with us. <laughs> yeah, we'd come, uh, come hang out on the weekends and, you know, hang out at the bar, go on the pub crawls. and Great, great way to time. meet people, that's for sure. <laughs> right. And let loose. So, yeah. So how old are you? Like, tell the, tell the listeners... A little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I just turned thirty in December. So hey, I'm a like December a, baby too. Oh yeah, and I just yeah. turned uh, I just turned thirty in October. Look at us in our thirties. Uh, Thirty-five. <laughs> hey, we're all on the third floor, so that's good. I know. I was talking to somebody actually yesterday uh, about age, and they're like, they had read somewhere like it's they're going to start talking about their age as like levels reached. And how it just sounds so much cooler. So like we've oh, reached so level like, thirty, and Chris, you're ahead of us. You've reached level thirty-five. Yeah, I get uh, my I upgraded my character, and I have uh, sore knees now. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Swigs, go ahead and carry on. Yeah, so just turned thirty in December. I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri, actually like a smaller suburb called Wildwood. But basically, I've been working and traveling for around eight years now, um, just full time. Uh, right after I graduated from university, I moved over to Europe, and um, that's right around when I met Kate. So just been I, doing like a, a lot of odd jobs here and there. So when I met you, that was kind of the beginning of your traveling. Yeah, I would say it was the beginning of like the full time like working and traveling. Before that, I I'd kind of really inched into it with study abroad, and then I became a, a student manager for our university. So that's like how I was so connected with Prague was I was taking students there from the United States um, for two years. So for two summers, we, we brought students over from Missouri to Prague for a, for a summer program. Okay, cool. And you said you were a professor there. Like, is that your background? Did you like do a PhD or is it kind of like uh, Asia where anyone can get a job at a university if they're <laughs> suitably qualified? <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it was it was mostly a connection thing because, you know, I had a really good relationship with this university because, you know, we brought students there for two years. So I was, you know, yeah. knew the, the people running things and it made sense. Like my background was, you know, I'd studied finance. I didn't have a PhD or anything or even a master's, but just enough experience um, through university um, to teach a course, a very like beginning level course. So were you teaching, I like to think of it. Sorry, were ahead. you teaching Czech students or were you teaching, was it American school? It was Czech students in English. So actually, I don't know if you remember Peter. He was one of my students. Peter oh, yeah. from the, the pub crawl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool because I, I think a lot of people, they hear university and they think it's, you know, professors and doctors. But uh, at least in Asia and I guess also in, in the Czech Republic, uh, a lot of university teachers are just knowledgeable people from whatever background that is in their home country. So uh, a lot of English in China is obviously taught at university just by people with a bachelor's degree. Right. And that's kind of like the the position I was. I was working for a professor. You know, I was technically like, I don't know, a glorified VA, but I was teaching like 50 to 60 student lectures. Wow. Just like introduction to finance and then doing some like office hours and stuff like that. And then like clerical work for uh, for another professor. And then were they like sponsoring your visa so that you were able to work over there? Right. That was like the structure. So they, they helped me get through all the visa process because Europe is a, is a big hassle. So I was technically on a student visa, but, you know, getting paid scholarship money. It was kind of like a, a loophole. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, it worked out great, you know, just getting scholarship money um, and being able to teach tax-free. So that was great. Well, that's the dream right there, tax-free. Yeah. And so I guess like that kind of would have sparked your desire to travel. And I mean, was there another? Yeah, I would say it was, that was definitely like, you know, the defining moment where I'm like, hey, I know this is possible that I can like just show up in a foreign country, find like a legitimate job that's going to like actually look good on a resume, further my career and like open up a bunch of other doors in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that was like kind of the light bulb moment. But before that, I was, you know, the travel had been sparked by studying abroad in Italy and then, you know, being a student manager for the study abroad programs. Mm-hmm. So there was quite a lot of travel that kind of led up to that, that, you know, I had already heavily caught the travel bug and now it's just like trying to find a way to fund it and to make it make it legitimate longer yeah right that is the constant struggle speaking from my own experience of just trying to find a way to live abroad permanently and have it be legit and have it be like you're not screwing yourself in the future (laughs) yeah and I, i I run into that a lot. Like I've, I've seen a lot of friends go down a path where, you know, they're, they're doing something where it's letting them live abroad, but it's not going to be a sustainable thing for, you know, even five years, 10 years. So they really have this like defining moment where they have to like, you know, quit what they're doing overseas and move back to the United States and kind of start fresh or try to pivot into something else where they're actually wanting to pursue long term. And I surely can relate to that. <laughs> I've worked in pub crawls and hostels, and those are definitely not uh, those are short term solutions for long term problems. Definitely not a long term option. You couldn't see yourself doing it at, at sixty. Working pub crawls? No. <laughs> I can't yeah, even see be, myself doing be that. A memorable pub crawl. I can't even see myself doing that in my thirties anymore. I cannot work a pub crawl again. That oh, was oh, exhausting. Yeah. So. You're in, in Medea now. Are you still um, teaching uh, there or have you found sort of something that's a bit more your speed? 
Yeah, so this is kind of uh, the transition point. So when I was teaching in Prague, I, I kind of realized like it was a great job, really good pay, not a ton of like, it wasn't that demanding, you know. So, but I just didn't, you know, I wasn't really like pushed to my limit. I wasn't really feeling like it was the thing that I was meant to do, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so I did it for a year and then I, I transitioned. Um, I actually moved to Australia. Hey, afterwards. nice. Was that you doing know, like... Did you move there on a working holiday visa? Yeah. So I had, uh, after Europe for two years, I moved back to the U.S., worked on a trading floor for three months, like just as a contractor um, for Wells Fargo to save up money to move to Australia to find a job. So mm -hmm. I got to Sydney with like three grand in my bank account, which that's like, know, a, that's like lunch, lunch. And <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> and, it's definitely less than you're supposed to have. Cause I think when I remember when I went, you're supposed to have like five grand or something. And I think I showed yeah. up with like $1,500. <laughs> They definitely have some limits and I don't know how strict they are on it, on it now, but you know, they might ask for proof of bank statements and stuff. Yeah, anyways, I didn't get asked for anything. Up, showed up and was able to find a job like with a tech startup within I think like five days or something. Wow. So I was just like had a fire lit under me and um, really had like a big motivation. Luckily I had some Australian friends that I met when I was living in Europe and they were able to let me, you know, kind of couch surf for the for the time being mm -hmm. and found a really good you know job just like working for this tech startup that their sort of like I guess plan was to install iPads into hotels and these iPads would be guides for like tourists that were coming there so oh, I was yeah. like doing sales and marketing for that yeah it was a great time like I actually loved Australia I loved Sydney I think it's like for how expensive it is it's definitely a great place to live um, if you can earn on Australian currency yeah it's Sydney's I mean I lived in Sydney for three years it's, it's such a fantastic city to to call home I mean the nightlife's gone a little downhill since they introduced all the curfews and things but it's just the beach and the, the history and like so there's always something going on which I find really really engaging Yeah, I was so funny. I I enjoyed Sydney when I was there for like, I, was, I think I lived there for six weeks. But I think for me, because it was so similar to California, I was just like wanted, I was craving something different. So I think that's how I ended up in Melbourne, because I just wanted something a little bit not and feeling like, right. too much like home. Most, most people end up in Melbourne. It's like, very few people I know who traveled in Australia and lived in Australia didn't live in Melbourne by the end of their time there. Mm -hmm. Did you ever make it over there, Swigs? Yeah, I, I went down there for a few weeks. I had a buddy who was actually, he was playing professional basketball down in Melbourne. Oh, cool. And so I got to stay with him and, and meet some of his uh, basketball friends. But I, I really enjoyed it. I just, I don't know, Sydney was my, more my scene. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm from Missouri and we don't have like a beach within, you know, 16 hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, oh my God, I can walk to the beach. This is amazing. I don't knock it. Like, I definitely understand and get, like, I, lo I know a lot of my English friends, like, highly, highly preferred Sydney over Melbourne. But that's because, you know, they don't get the sunshine in the the beach all the yeah, time. Yeah, Melbourne could almost be a British city. Like it's, you know, the weather, the the kind of more European styling of it. Yeah. it I can see why it wouldn't be super exciting for someone coming from England. Yeah. Where in Sydney were you? Like what part of the city did you call home? So I was living in Bondi and then it was kind of like a flexible, kind of like a remote job, but mostly a field job where I could kind of work from home, but sometimes needed to go into the office. So it was kind of like split work sessions. Mm -hmm. so yeah, you're doing sales, right? Yeah. Sales marketing. Yeah. Oh, thunder. Yeah. Sorry about that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not rainy season here in Columbia, but it's been it's been raining and, and storming every every now and then. You guys having a big storm right now? Yeah. It sounds like uh, the lightning and thunder are coming in. Oof. Should make this fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's all right. So we, 
uh, after Australia, uh, did you? Is that when you headed to Colombia, or so after Australia? I, you know, I was working for this company. Was really happy with. Honestly, I was just like loving life, loving my work, getting paid well. But uh, a contact, kind of like a mentor that I had met when I was working in Prague, a Korean professor who became a mentor for me and just, you know, I kept in touch with him. He said I should apply for this scholarship for his MBA program in Korea. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that sounds great. You know, if I get the scholarship, I'll consider it. So I applied for it. It took me like two or three weeks to get everything, um, kind of all the applications and essays ready. And then uh, I got offered a full scholarship to go study my MBA in South Korea. Wow. And yeah, I was like, you know, all the tuition, they were going to pay for my flights, set me up with um, some type of job. And, and I was wow, like, man, this is a sweet uh, deal. Yeah, I was like, this is really you know, something that I wanted to do is like in my like five year projection plan of, you know, where I saw myself in life, mm-hmm. getting an MBA at some point, I was like, well, you know, this just is too good to pass up. And even though I loved life in Australia, I, I just was like, all right, I got to hop on this opportunity. And then I ended up in South Korea for two years studying a master's degree. And, and we were you in Seoul for that? Um, so I was living in Gwangju. It's it's hey, around four hours south. I lived of Seoul. in Gwangju for for two years. No way. Yeah, yeah. Wonder if you guys were there at the same time. <laughs> uh, I was there in two thousand and seven, so probably oh, no. not. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely a lot later than that. Is but, uh, is the speakeasy still there? Yes, it is. They like <laughs> upgraded it. I think they changed because when I was there, they had changed the location and just like kind of redid everything but yeah it's still there <laughs> well i uh, i have many memories of the speakeasy i that's where i grew up in the speakeasy <laughs> yes yeah, so i was i was studying at the chanam national university um and living right nearby not sure if you remember that area uh it sounds familiar yeah i think i had a friend who lived out that way how did you how did you like guangzhou because it's obviously a much smaller korean city than seoul or busan yeah, so it was definitely a you know a big transition from from living in Bondi to moving to to Korea. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, there's not a ton of foreigners. There's definitely like a foreign you know expat scene there, but not nearly as big as you know any major city like Seoul. So I I enjoyed it. I really liked it because I I felt like I got a really good you know hybrid combination of like st- making Korean friends through the study program and then having like expat friends. So that's kind of been like the best makeup for me when I'm living abroad is like, you know, maybe it's 60% of the time you're with foreign friends, the other 40% of the time you're hanging out with like locals and like learning about their culture and just like they're kind of taking you on to like learn new things. Oh yeah, I can 100% agree with that. I know like every time that I've lived abroad, I, I you try and find a really good mix of locals and expats because you want people like you need people that can kind of be in the same position as you that can relate to you on things like that you can figure things out together or you know even if you just need to like complain about something (laughs) you can feel heard but then also wanting to experience it authentically through the eyes of people that are from there yeah I think I think everyone kind of needs to find the balance that works for them but you know for me it's kind of it's varied for different places in the world, you know, like, you know, in Sydney, I think, you know, it's, you're going to find a different makeup that works there versus in Korea, where maybe you need, you know, cause it's a lot different than maybe mm-hmm. where you're from. You yeah. Need a you, different balance. You, you yeah. kind of need that. You kind of need local friends in South Korea to get you, to get you sort of started on that journey. Cause it's not like Sydney where you can just open a book and find what you're looking for. It's like, at least in 2007 for me, I like, if I didn't have Korean friends pointing me in the right direction, I'd have, I'd probably have starved to death at some point. <laughs> Like my local friends only knew where to find hamburgers and bars. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Korea is one of those countries where things work so well if you're if you're Korean and you follow like if you don't try to go you know outside of their I guess process, everything works so well. But if you're a foreigner and you like you don't have like that structure or that you're not used to their process, it's really hard to like kind of function, I guess. And you definitely need foreigners for sure need like a, a Korean person to help them out. Oh yeah, yeah. It can be. It's a fun place. I used to say like living in South Korea and living in China every day was a challenge, not in a bad way, but just. There was no like there was no day where there wasn't something that pushed me to do something a little bit you know outside my comfort zone whether it was trying to you know get a prescription filled or buying condoms or ordering food through a, a Korean or Chinese app like there were all these things that made me push my Korean language skills or push my interpretive dance slash mime <laughs> skills. Right. There's always like some of the simplest things can be the most challenging in a foreign country. And you just Absolutely. feel like so accomplished after you like you <laughs> succeed. Like I, I have never been prouder than I went in South Korea. I went to buy condoms from a local pharmacy. And I obviously I had the word for condom and I'm like showing the lady really meekly. And she's like, <laughs> oh, condoms. And then she starts to she starts to walk me through the store and she's pointing uh, uh, a libd. Uh, <laughs> strawberry. Uh, then, she, then she looks at me. And she goes, mm, "Larger size." And I'm like, uh, "Okay." And she she gets them out. And she comes back and loudly in Korean announces that she's getting condoms for the foreigner. <laughs> and this is like across the road from the school I taught at. So like I'm relatively certain a parent must have been like, "Oh yeah, Song Sang Yim's getting a little action tonight." <laughs> oh it, was, it was it was awkward. That would be mortifying. <laughs> Oh, God. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Small little tasks just become such a big production when you're in a foreign country. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, Korea was great. And I actually, like, I, I was planning to stay there long term. You know, if I could have found, you know, after I graduated, I spent six months just looking for non-teaching jobs, which is really difficult to find. Um, Especially legally, like their visa situation doesn't make it easy. And it's it's kind of crazy the structure they have for, like, the visas. Like, I was on a... You know, after my student visa, they give you this like searching for work visa, but like nobody can hire you on that visa. You either need to have like the working visa to get the job or you need to have the job to get the working visa. Mm -hmm. So it's just really like weird <laughs> chicken and egg situation where, <laughs> yeah. where you just like you end up, you know, it's like, all right, this is so frustrating, so hard. I was just doing all these random odd jobs. Like I was doing voice acting. I was modeling. I was like you know, wow. doing marketing jobs. I was just finding like anything to just kind of like pay rent and like, you know, survive, Sustain I guess. Sustain yourself while you were looking for the next permanent thing. Right. And I think that's like a lot of people in Korea, you know, like the easiest pass, path of resistance is to just teach English. Like oh, you make yeah. good money, you get the visa, like they kind of like have a whole, you know, visa structure for that. Mm -hmm. Um, but non-teaching jobs are just really difficult in Korea. Um, so that's why I, I decided to leave after six months because, you know, I just graduated with, a, you know, MBA. I was like really interested in finding marketing jobs. And that's why I decided to move to uh, New Zealand directly after um, to find something, you know, in marketing. And again, it was like the same situation in, in Australia where I got the working holiday visa, which is actually free for Americans. Yeah, um, real so quick. Is that what kind of led your choice to go to New Zealand next was because, I mean, as Americans, that's kind of our only other working holiday visa option after Australia. So you just figured yeah, was, you'd utilize it that. And it was definitely the big one. Uh, and the cool thing is we do have a few other options, which I can go in, in depth yeah, for yeah. 
later um, for working holiday visas. But yeah, New Zealand's anybody who's like looking to work abroad, I for I for sure suggest Australia, New Zealand. The great thing about New Zealand is it's free and you can work, you know, for a year. So basically I showed up with, I don't know, a few grand in my bank account again and was able to find a job uh, at a travel magazine within, I don't know, within like seven or eight days. Wow. And was that in Auckland or Wellington or? Um, So it was in Auckland. Um, And again, it was a work from home job. So I had a lot of flexibility, could kind of, you know, if I wanted to travel, I could. Um, But the the owners of, of the magazine were, were based in Auckland. So they wanted to meet, you know, every few weeks and, and just kind of discuss stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And so did you stay the full year? I'm, did you work? Cause I'm remembering from when I had my working holiday base in Australia, there was like a limit. You can only work for one place for up to six months. Right. And that's kind of like actually both in Australia and New Zealand, like within, I think it was five months when I was in Australia, they offered me the MBA scholarship. And mm-hmm. then around four and a half months in New Zealand, the travel magazine just ran out of funding and they were oh, like, wow. all right. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So you never ran into that kind of... You didn't hit that wall. You didn't hit that wall of six months, have to find something new. Right. It was just... But there's a lot of workarounds. You know, I've talked to people who, you know, the company that I was working at, they were already discussing, like, if you want to stay on six more months, we'll just... Uh, you know, they had three like corporations set up or something. So they're like, all right, you're, you're working for this company A now. But <laughs> oh, yeah, I gotcha. You're working for company B like for the next six months. <laughs> there's there's and, always a loophole. Yeah. Right. So and I, I think it's, you know, like as long as the company is willing to do that, like, you know, there's definitely a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was the travel magazine had run out of money. And at that point, I had enough to save up, like enough money saved up to kind of like travel around. So I spent a few months just traveling around New Zealand. I, I spent a month just hitchhiking the, the South Island. And that oh, was wow. amazing. Like one of the best travel experiences of my life. Did so you do that on your own? Awesome people. Yeah, just solo, solo traveling. Um, like there's literally only one road in the South Island. So you're either going like, <laughs> you're either going like North or South, like on the road. So mm-hmm. it's really easy to hitchhike. There's just a great community behind it. Like people are really willing. I think it's because there's a lot of travelers there and there's just a lot of like Kiwis that are, you know, really friendly and willing to help out. Yeah. So the South Island is like one of the most beautiful places in the world too. It's just, it's breathtaking down there. I always say this, like New Zealand's by far like per square, like mile or whatever. It's got to be the most beautiful place on earth. Oh yeah. I would agree with that. It's like, uh, it's like, you know, like not that I believe that God made the earth, but when he was making the earth, he was like, I have all these leftover mountains and rainforests and beautiful fields. And I've got this little bit of land. So I'm just going to cram it all in there. <laughs> it's just like the most diverse, beautiful spot in the world. Yeah, it really, it truly is like a magnificent place. Like six months there was, was perfect. It is small. Like I, I think as far as like long term, I think six months was perfect for me. It just didn't have, I was kind of searching for like a big city vibe, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's more what I'm drawn doesn't, to. doesn't really exist in New Zealand. Right. Moving from Seoul which is 14 million people, um, to Auckland, which is like, I don't know, around a million or something. Isn't the population of New Zealand's only four or five million, isn't it? Yeah, it's something, I mean, it was a huge transition, transition, (laughs) you know, luckily like six months was, it was still amazing time. I I think, uh, if you do, if you are under 30, like you have a right to like use this working holiday visa. Like it's it's a great opportunity. You're not helping me. I've just convinced myself that I don't need because. I just turned 30 and you have until you have throughout your, like your 30th year to still use it. 
So basically, I can still apply for it. I just have to land in New Zealand before I turn 31. Sounds like you need to do it. And I've just convinced myself I don't (laughs) need to do it. I can still go. I mean, I can still go visit New Zealand for a month or two months on a tourist visa and travel around and see. But I was just like, that was going to be my next plan. And I was like, I'm tired of, you know, doing the working holiday you get only get a year and then you have to move back again and start all over again and buy new furniture again. So I've just <laughs> convinced myself not to do that. And now you're, t- <laughs> you're not helping me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's free to free to apply. So you can always just have it there and that's you true. Know, and see what happens. That's true. Who knows? I could lose my job in five months and say, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Off to New Zealand. Yeah. So you're in New Zealand. You do, you traveled. Where did you do after that? So when I was in Korea, I'd met uh, you know, a friend who was working for the company I work for now, Empire Flippers. Um, and he, you know, I was kept in touch with him over the years. And he was like, you know, hey, we're, we're hiring for this new job at Empire Flippers. You should apply for it. And it was a marketing job. It seemed like a great fit. And I was kind of going through this dilemma. I was like, all right, I can you know, find, I still have six months left on my New Zealand, you know, working holiday visa. I can try to find a job in, you know, Wellington or Auckland or somewhere. Um, but I decided to apply for this position. It was, you know, a startup company. I think there was like five Westerners working for the company at the time. And so I applied and, and got the job and I was like, all right, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity. They're going to, you know, be training me in Southeast Asia where I hadn't spent too much time. I, you know, visited Vietnam before for like I think three days oh, wow! <laughs> and mm. so I got the job and they're like, you know, we're going to spend six months training you in Southeast Asia. And um, so that's obviously where the company was based. Yeah. So that was like their, their main base. It's a U.S. company, um, kind of a really interesting industry, which, you know, I've been, I'm coming up on my three years with them. And basically what they do is it's a marketplace for buying and selling online businesses. So we we act as like, I don't know, the, the easiest comparison as like a realtor. So we act as like the middleman helping connect buyers and sellers for online profitable businesses. So if you have like a like e-commerce, e-commerce business yeah, or yeah. software business or any type of business, it doesn't really matter. We, we do it all. Um, but we have a marketplace of like where we curate these businesses. We look at the financials, check out the, the person selling the business is legitimate and make sure that the, that the process of, of actually selling the business goes smoothly for buyers. So and they trained you up in Southeast Asia, and then were you kind of able to do it from anywhere after that, after you were trained? Right. So that it's a 100% remote company. We have around 60 employees all over the world. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the stipulation was the first six months, you're just training on location. And then after that, you can work from anywhere. Is that what kind of took you? Why Columbia? So I had a coworker who had come here, and he's like, just talking it up like you know it's 75 degrees year round the weather's beautiful <laughs> the cost of living's great like just today not included <laughs> right and and so he just you know kept telling me how great it was um i was kind of i love southeast asia but i was just kind of ready for the next thing i guess so i had a few friends that were coming down here in january of 2017 and i was like all right you know it's a perfect time to go there went home for christmas and then flew down to to columbia and just just absolutely loved it here it's a real um it's becoming a real digital nomad hotspot as well i know quite a few bloggers who are living there oh yeah it's it's really blowing up like just within the 2 years that i've been here it's really become a very big scene. I think mostly because a lot of people want to be on the U.S. time zone. Mm-hmm. They either oh, have yeah. clients or customers in the U.S. and they want to be, you know, 
not doing crazy zombie shifts in Asia. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that work with being an American and like living in Colombia as far as like yeah. visas and stuff or? Yeah. So right now, the first year I was on just a tourist visa. So they allow six months here okay. um, for Americans. And that's in a calendar year, which is great. So it's not like Europe where it's within a 180 day period. So you can kind of time it correctly to really maximize it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it resets on January 1st and then you get another six months. Yeah, I think uh, the UK is like that because I know I did that for a while when I was living with my parents in London. It was six months out of every calendar year. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier than you know, having to go somewhere else for six months. So I did that for the first year, just a tourist visa. And then I looked into some other options. And um, the easiest one was a medical visa for me. Um, I have like high cholesterol and like, you know, and monitoring it every few months, just like genetically have high cholesterol. Mm -hmm. Um, So I keep track of that. Got a few doctor's notes and applied for the visa. And they gave me a, a year stay here for wow for medical visa. Just so to, it's like, like just to remove you from the US or just from or or because you have a doctor there. It right, it's kind of like a medical tourism like the, the medical industry is really like high end here, really nice like so they're trying to get more medical tourism from the US here. Huh. I think that's like the biggest incentive. Wow, that's a cool that's cool though that it, it, you don't have to have anything like actually like hugely wrong like high cholesterol is obviously an issue, but it's not something you couldn't get treated elsewhere. So it's good that they're flexible. Right. I, I've talked to a lot of people who've, who've done an Invisalign. That was kind of like the main, um, the easiest path really? to get, a, get the medical visa. So like they get Invisalign, but they just, you know, they need to go back every few months and it's just easier for them to stay here and, and get the treatment that way. Hmm. I was looking into Invisalign. Maybe I need to move to Colombia. <laughs> I'm, so, well, yeah. I, well, I, I'm out of the loop. What's Invisalign? Oh, it's like the... Um... Teeth straightening. It's invisible braces. Yeah, basically. invisible braces. Oh, oh, I didn't. That's cool. <laughs> you just. I might look into that. Why yeah. not? I have awful teeth. So, I have British ancestry. <laughs> we're we're, so we're all coming down to live with you, Swiggy, in Colombia. Yeah, you guys are. I would love to have you. So then, what's the plan? I mean, you. I know that now, just from because you and I know each other personally, I follow you. Um, you've got a Colombian girlfriend. So yeah, that's, that's something that, you know, I, I came here for a month originally and, and met my girlfriend, you know, fell in love and was actually just planning to stay here for a month. I was actually had gone to Asia for two months for work and then decided to come back here and, um, just been like really loving it here. We spend like eight months in Colombia and then around four months traveling. So we'll be in Europe this summer for two months. And then, um, we just spent about two months in Europe and the U.S. in December and January. Mm-hmm. So it's a really great, I guess, balance of work, work, travel, and like kind of, you know, setting up some roots, I guess. And then, so, cause you, your job is remote. How does that work with, cause you're on a tourist visa in Colombia, but you work for an American company. And then how does that work with like taxes and stuff, I guess, or? Oh, that's, yeah, the million dollar question. <laughs> right. It's always like, me and my girlfriend, we always joke about this because she has like a 10 year US visa. And I'm like, I get like 35 days to spend in the US. Like I can obviously spend more, but then I would have to pay US taxes. Gotcha. Um, so right. if you spend 330 days outside of America, you're not um, obligated to pay foreign uh, income taxes. So it's like a you know, it's legitimate like IRS program that mm-hmm. you don't have to pay taxes unless you're living in the U.S. for 
you know, 333 days. Mm-hmm. So do you, but uh, with your company, since they're, you, they're Southeast Asian based, but they're an American company, is that right? Right. So it's, uh, they're actually based out of Delaware. So it's based, a U.S. company, but, you know, everyone's just remote. So like I get paid, you know, U.S. payroll in U.S. dollars. And it's one of those things where a lot of people in this industry are taking advantage of it because it's up to $104,000. So um, it's quite a substantial amount of money where, yeah. it, and then on top of that, you can add in, you know, housing stipends. So it's around 120 grand of like non-taxable income. So if I was going to live in the U.S., it'd be like an extra $30,000 in taxes where, wow. I mean, that's like, <laughs> that goes a long way in Colombia. That is insane. Oh. I wish I wish Australia would do that. They it's so hard to lose residency in Australia for tax purposes. It's like it's yeah. I mean, not that I want to right now because I am there more often than I'm not. But uh, when I was abroad, it was so difficult to um, to convince them I wasn't an Australian resident for tax purposes. Like when I lived in Korea and China for two years each. Yeah, there's there's definitely like I mean, U.S. has this is like a great program, U.S. But a lot of other countries, I think Canada and the United Kingdom, I think the U.K. is a little bit more lax on it. Uh, I think they allow like three months in the, where you can live in the UK for three months. And then if you're outside of that, that period, you don't have to pay taxes, but again, not a tax professional. Yeah. Disclaimer. Yeah. Talk to an accountant first. <laughs> yes. Yeah, speak with a financial professional, <laughs> which is not me. And then, but your, but your medical visa that you're on in Colombia, that's a tourism visa. So, but are you considered a resident of Colombia? No, I'm not. So it's, yeah, it's just a tourist visa. So technically, like, I don't have any Colombian assets. I don't have to pay taxes here because I'm not, you know, earning any mm-hmm. Colombian income. I don't yeah. have any, like, real estate. So it does get a bit more complicated once you do have, like, you know, I know a few people who here who, like, invest in real estate and they, you know, they get paid dividends. And then they, on top of those dividends, they have to pay taxes. But, mm-hmm. you know, I try to keep it simple and don't have any, you know, real estate assets. <laughs> Huh. Nice. At least not yet. And then, <laughs> living the dream. What's next for you then? Once this is, are you going to try and stay in Colombia or? Yeah, I think you know Colombia is going to be the home base. Like I've talked to my girlfriend, we're like we have this perfect sort of cycle where we spend six months in Colombia, three months in like Europe, and then maybe like three months in Asia, and just kind of like do a cycle. <laughs> does she work a job that allows her to do that, or does she just? So Not she's finishing up a marketing degree okay. and she's also working online. So oh, when gotcha. we travel, we're both kind of like co-working together. Um, so she does Salesforce uh, consulting for oh, yeah. actually a U.S. company in New York. Um, cool. So going to just keep keep it going. Are there like partnership visas that are on offer to you guys eventually if you wanted to take that step? Yeah, there's definitely – there's like so many options here in Colombia. It's kind of like you have partnership visas, you have – investment visas where if you did want to buy a piece of property here um, Mm -hmm. they'll give you a visa i think it's for three years um so if you purchase a you know you want to buy an apartment or a house here you can you know just buy the house get the visa and then you can just rent it out and make income off of that Mm. um there's also a business visa so if you wanted to set up a business here you can get a visa for that but because the tourist visa is just so easy and so i mean we travel quite a bit you know that's what we're going to probably do for the next, um, you know, 12 months because my medical visa expires like where I have four months left in the year. So I can just come in as a tourist and then I get another six months for, for 2020. Oh, yeah. But 
That's super progressive of them, though. I like that there's so many options to make it possible because so many countries making make it harder and harder to sort of spend more than three months there. It's cool to see a country actually embracing, you know, having people stay for a longer amount of time because ultimately you're spending your money there. I mean, Vietnam's definitely one of those countries where they've they've kind of like, you know, I had a one year visa when I was living there, and I think they've, you know, changed that. It's like three it months changes now. every. Yeah, yeah it seems like it's changing every few weeks. The the visas in Vietnam. But, I think it's yeah they do six months, but you got to leave halfway through. So it's just skipping across the border to Thailand or or Laos or taking a quick trip somewhere else. But it's it's definitely uh, not as easy as I hear it was a few years ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, when I was there, it was a one year visa. You just had to leave every three months, but you didn't have to renew everything. So, but there always there's always a way, and I think that's like the the number one thing that I've noticed is that. Some countries, you know, they'll change stuff. And that's like the hardest part is just kind of Staying keeping up to, up date. to date. Yeah. Right. But there's always a solution. There's always a way. There's always some workaround. Um, you know, it might cost you time and money or, you know, for my instance, I, I decided to hire a, like a lawyer who specializes in visas. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an option in a lot of countries. But there's definitely there's so many options and there's so much like information online that you just kind of got to dig in and see see what you can find. So is that like, what would be, I mean, I guess that kind of would be it, but maybe there's something else. What would be like your number one advice for anyone listening that wanted to figure out a way to live abroad and do it the right way and not, and not doing those jobs where it's all very short term and right. um, but actually I, doing I something substantial. People, people finding a remote job, um, which segues into my book that I just launched, which talks a lot about you know, all these options, you know, all the different options that we kind of briefly discussed about working holiday visas. But the easiest path is just to find a remote job and then kind of travel around for a few, you know, a month here, a month there, see where you like, and then just set up a base there. And by knowing the visa options to you, probably makes it easier to find out what country you should go to, too. Right. I mean, there's Europe's probably one of the strictest, but I think there's still a lot of options there. Like even in Prague, you know, you can get a business visa fairly easy. You just have to set up like a small company and mm-hmm. go through a lawyer. It's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. Probably cost you know a few grand. But yeah, it's probably the cost that would be the biggest uh, deterrent. deterrent for people. Yeah, I guess it would it would it would sort of uh, depend on where in your journey you were. And like, if you're starting off as a as a location independent person, you're not going to have that startup cash. But a few years in, maybe you're sick of having to bounce from country country it might seem worthwhile to spend a few grand to establish yourself in one country and and call that home yeah absolutely right and i mean there's definitely like i think a little bit misconception in the travel industry where everyone's like oh it's so expensive and i'm like well it's not that expensive you just don't like you're not always just traveling and like staying at like crazy hotels and stuff (laughs) Yeah. Like you can just yeah. you know stay for a place. You pay like rent for a month. You get on like the monthly rental stuff for gym membership for you know. Well, everything I think else that's and... something that's a shock for people too because it's not that's not a big thing in the states. It's very hard to get. I just want to month to month. Yeah, I want to rent a place month to month, like because everything here is on contracts and on leases and even you know phone plans and. I mean, not that there isn't some options, but they're just harder to find where that's not so much the case abroad. There are a lot more options for short term for people that might be doing something short term until they figure out. Right. That's definitely how that's structured here. Like I actually asked my realtor, I was like, hey, you know, can I get a discount if I pay a few months, you know, up front? And they're like, no, we just, 
it's the lowest price is month to month. I was like, <laughs> all right, that's fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy. Yeah, because Australia and the US, it's it's definitely harder to find that kind of transient arrangement. But uh, even like even Vietnam's starting to trend towards they want longer term leases because they they don't want that uncertainty of only having you month to month. So mm-hmm. they give pretty big discounts if you do a six month or a 12 month lease. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sh- those, those options are available in the U S and I know in the, in Australia as well. And, but they, they're geared towards people that, or the prices for people that are staying short term are a lot more than. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Airbnb has definitely like disrupted the industry. Like they've made it really good and bad, I guess, just for like, you know, travelers, I think it's the prices have just skyrocketed from when it first came around. There was like so many good deals, but now it's like right around the same price as hotels. But what I've noticed is like you can like, for example, my apartment, they're advertising this on Airbnb for, I don't know, maybe like 30 or 40 percent more. But if you just find the person and ask them, like, say you want to go, you know, monthly or Mm -hmm. like a little bit longer term, you can usually get like a a lot you know, better discount. Yeah, they don't have to worry about finding someone in a week again or a month. Yeah, and having cleaners come through and worrying about some stranger trashing their backyard or yeah, it's definitely more secure. Okay, well, I feel like we've gotten so much out of this, so much information. But if people want to learn more about how they can um, live abroad and work abroad and travel, still, like you've got a book. Got a book out. Um, it's on Amazon. You can find like all the information about me at globalcareerbook.com, um, a link to my book. I've got an audio version coming out in about two weeks, so that should be hopefully out when this is published. Yeah, and we'll also put in um, an am- a link to the Amazon where people can buy it in a- the description of this episode, too, along with all of your socials. Yeah, um, the book's been, uh, been doing well, and I think it'll be – it just fills a market where a lot of people who – you know, they don't want to go through the nine to five job Mm -hmm. and they want to go overseas and, and have like a worthy career or something that, you know, they can continue doing for a long period of time. And is it mostly, I mean, I know that you're American, so a lot's going to come from your perspective, but can non-Americans find a lot of information useful out of it as well? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's definitely geared towards, you know, the 18 to 35 year old American. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the information's like pretty universal. Like, I mean, I have a pretty good testimonial. I helped my girlfriend find a remote job within mm-hmm. a few weeks. And um, now she's able to work with me and we can kind of work and travel all over the place. So yeah. it's advice and, and tips that can be used for any, any, uh, any country. It's a pretty sweet deal. Sounds pretty good. Um, yeah. Well, we've got a question that's been submitted that I was going to read out and get your advice on. I'm sure you can... Um, touch base on this and uh, of course Chris and I'll give our opinions as well but I'm going to read it out and then we can all kind of discuss is it's a f- not I don't think it really matters but it's a female writing in saying I've been away from home for two years have traveled have volunteered and worked abroad have been through so much and come home to everyone with their more so traditional lives I constantly listen to stories about their new houses how it is owning a place how much work it is what has to be done mortgage work getting married more talk about their place Babies, uh, rarely do we talk about stuff I feel I can add to the conversation. I feel so disconnected and feel no one takes interest in what I've lived through as if there's no value or worth talking about. Uh, it's an awful feeling and I just want to leave on the next plane out of here. How do you deal with this? Would love insight and ways to cope with this. So, I mean, do you find that when you talk to friends from home that might be 
might have done the more traditional track life track yeah i think yeah i mean this is definitely like a very common emotion and i think she's you know two years is a long time to kind of be away from everyone and to get go back to your your group of friends so it's it's a really common we call it like i guess it's the reverse honeymoon stage where you're like you've done so many things and experienced so much but you're you know the big thing that's changed for them is they've either gotten a house gotten a kid and that's like the big life moments in in their lives um so yeah there's definitely like a lot of things that i would i would recommend again there's nothing wrong with that like your friends or your family, like that's the path they've chosen. And yeah. you've just cho- gone a different way. And maybe your friends are probably like really happy with where they are, but they haven't had that, that other experience that um, this writer's had. Um, yeah. The person who asked the question. I mean, when I was reading this, I kind of, it's hard when you have like your, you and your friends have taken two different paths. And I definitely relate to this sometimes as well. Cause I've lived abroad and, I have other friends who are married and are getting married or buying houses and stuff like that. And you've gone down different paths, so it can be hard to relate a lot. Like when you were in high school or college or whatever together, you're all going through the same things. But then now that your lives have gone down two different paths, it's hard to relate uh, to each other anymore, which is hard to like keep those bonds of friendship. I think um, that... The, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, but I think it's important to like, I think, I mean, and in my opinion, I think she just needs to say to her friends, like, look, I'm super happy for you. Cause she just says that her friends feel like she feels disconnected. No one takes interest. And I don't know if it's like a point of, they just can't relate or if it's a point of not understanding or even jealousy or what. I mean, it's probably I a combination of all of that. To yeah. Be honest. yeah. I think it's, I mean, the first time I came home from being abroad, I was like the exciting it was exciting for them to hear about it. But I think over time, you know, they get sick, not sick of, but they, they kind of, it's no longer exciting to hear how things were different in China or Korea <laughs> or wherever it ha- was that you were. And I think rather than feeling bad that you can't relate to them on on this journey that they're taking or they can't relate to you on the journey you've taken, it's more, I've found, it's just finding those points of commonality, the things you still connect on. So obviously I've been away for most of the last, God, uh, 12 years. So I have to maintain my friendships through other ways. So whether it's a fantasy football competition or whether it's an ongoing, you know, Skype date, or in my case, uh, all of my friends from high school and I, we still play uh, the same Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> game we've been playing since 1996. Um, oh, that's I awesome. I mean, obviously <laughs> guys come and go, like, and it's just different stories and different characters, but we get together every fortnight no matter what country or time zone I'm in, and we play for four or five hours, and that's that's kind of the thing we have, like, because I can't relate yet on their house buying adventures or the things their children are doing, and they can't relate on me being frustrated about the price of avocados in Hoi An. <laughs> so D and D is, you know, for, for us it's D and D. I know Rochelle, my fiance, she she gets together and has these long, you know, they Skype each other pretty regularly to keep that going, and it's kind of. I think it's it takes that effort, you know. You find the thing that you still have in common, and you just you you nurture that, because uh, if you're gonna try, if you're trying to feign interest in their in what their dog's doing, or if they're trying to feign interest in your adventures, ultimately one of you's gonna get bitter. I think it's better to find the things that you both still love and and connect over those. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, Chris, you nailed it with with that advice. I think that's like the perfect you know answer to her question. Yeah, definitely. I mean, finding a commonality. And then there's, 
I mean, there's other things like we're all still, I mean, have other problems like besides houses. Like, I mean, we all have relationships. So even if you're not married, you can still relate on like relationship standpoints. It doesn't take a marriage to, or like a, you know, an actual wedding to really change you being able to relate to someone's relationship or like hearing about stuff like that. We all have, we've been around babies. Like, I just feel like it's not, <laughs> I've met like, one. Yeah. we know, we know what kids are like. And like, you can still, you might not be interested in having your own kids, but I mean, they are your friends and it's important I, to be supportive. I mean, I don't, yeah. And I don't know if it's, if it's common to everyone, but I get the, when are you planning to settle down? When are you going to get a real job? question a lot Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's meant in like a judgmental way when they ask I think for people who haven't done like what we're doing the idea of not having a retirement plan or not having you know this plan to buy a house and settle down is just it's like they can't wrap their heads around it so Mm -hmm. it can feel really like really passive aggressive when people ask but I don't think that's the intent I think it's it's just, you know, it's it's hard for them to fathom. It would be like if I asked my settled down friend, so when are you going to uproot and live in Asia for a year? You know, it's yeah. just so when are you they're very travel? different lifestyles. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important because she does ask, like, it's an awful feeling and I want to leave. How do you deal with it? Like, I think also it's important to just, like, they're, if they're your friends, all you have to do is just have a simple conversation where you're not attacking someone. But you're just, you know, explaining how you feel sometimes you guys may not be able to relate to each other and find a way together find a commonality like you said chris of like what's something we can still relate on and and i mean she could just leave i mean i know that that sounds like it's quitting but for me i can't be home for for more than a certain amount of time without getting that feeling that i belong somewhere else yeah or it's not not that i don't love my friends and family but it, it could be that her life is just that she will always be someone who enjoys being on the road and, and, you know, experiencing life outside of her country. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just like there's nothing wrong with choosing to settle down. It's just, that's who she is. You know, that's what travel's done to her. Yeah. Well, and friendships, of course, like grow and evolve, evolve as well. Yeah. So the people that you might've been friends with at one point, you might not be friends with forever or just not as close. And that yeah, the relationships there's... change. And I mean, two years is, it's a lot of like leftover time that maybe they weren't nurturing the relationship and, you know, maybe she was expecting to come back to where they left off, but that's not always the case Yeah, absolutely. with every friendship. So definitely. Yeah. I mean, and then there's the other friendships that like, there are people who I've known since high school who I'm still friends with as some who I've drifted, but on the flip side, there's people who I wasn't close with through high school or even college who I've become closer friends with because we've bonded over travel or we've bonded over, something I've written about or something that they've sort of heard through me. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like, it's an, evo- it's an evolution. I'm not friends with the guys I was in kindergarten. <laughs> I, you know, but there are friends who I've had for a long time and there are friends who, who have come onto the scene later in life who I value and treasure a lot. I think that's totally normal regardless of your lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we definitely hit the nail on the head there. Um, I think she's got some stuff to think about. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just buy its light. Just get the hell out of there. Get out of there, girl. Run. Um, what is the saying? I catch uh, catch flights, not friends. Catch flights, not feelings. <laughs> yeah, catch flights, not like feelings. That. Yeah. Right. That's my motto. <laughs> I struggle That's with awesome. it. but uh, um, Cool. Well, Chris, do you have a game? Yeah, let's finish with a game. Um, so you've all heard of the classic game uh, Kill, Fuck, Marry. Uh, <laughs> Mike, we have you thinking- heard that game? Yes, I have. Okay, just checking. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
but we were thinking we'll do it with countries, so it'll be visit, live, or flee. Um, so, so we're going to give okay. Mike three. Uh, should we do cities, countries, regions? How should we divide them up? Let's just do. Let's do one city, one country, one region. So we're going to do three games, like three of each. No, just you just. Oh, I guess you do have to do three of each. I know how to play this game. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm just going to make it. All right, so we're you do, do three it. City. Okay. So you're just going to tell us which one you want to live in, which one you'd like to visit, and which one you would flee. Uh, so uh, let's go with. Um, Let's keep. We'll do the countries you've lived in. So let's say uh, Sydney, uh, Guangzhou, that's or cities. Saigon. <laughs> Ooh, that's a that's a really good one. I think Sydney for me is like one of the most livable places. Um, I think it's a great place to live. And then Guangzhou, I would say flee. <laughs> this is just like it's the kimchi, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a great place to like visit. I guess I don't know if I if I told people to go to Korea, I don't know if Guangzhou would be even top ten. Um, no, it's a, it's a fun place to live, but it's not a a tourist right. And then what was the other one? Um, uh, visit Saigon. I think yeah. Saigon is even though there's not like a ton of great tourist stuff, it's definitely a great place to visit. Mm. Nice. That was a good response. I have not been to any of those except for Sydney, so I cannot voice in on this one. Do you want me to give you one, Kate, or do you want to give uh, one? Or I can give one. Okay, so yeah, I got a. Okay, I've got one. So I mean, I don't know how difficult this one's going to be because you do live in Medellin now. But uh, I was going to do Medellin, Prague, and I'm going to do San Luis Obispo because you've been here, Mike. Ooh, <laughs> that's. Watch what you say. To, you're no, going to be hurt. You're gonna be hurt <laughs> I'm going to say flee slow because I'm fleeing solely based on tax purposes. It's an awesome place. Um, <laughs> flee so you can save that tax money of the U.S. Yeah. And then um, I think what was other Medellin? Medellin's an amazing place to live. Yeah, and and Prague, Prague is also a great place to live. But I think it's probably one of the the top tourist destinations in the world. I don't think so. I could live in Prague again. I definitely would tell people to visit it, but it's fucking cold there in the winter. Right. And I find Czech people can be like, you have, you have to like permeate, permeate them. They're like thick, cold outer shell before. You just need, like, they need to get warmed up. Yeah. It's like befriending a Russian. I find Russians <laughs> are like that too. Yeah. They're like, I hate you. I hate you. And then suddenly they will, they will kill for you. You know, once you get through that that shell, it's like there's no separation. It's like indifference and love. Yeah, absolutely. No in between. Thanks for having me on the show. I really loved it. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun chatting. I can't believe you lived in Guangzhou of all places. Like, I know. I know so what a small people. world. Yeah. And um, I'm sure loads of people can learn a lot from your experiences. And if they want to learn more, they can buy your book or they can go to your socials and reach out to you. Is that cool? Yeah, I'm happy to like... I- I do, you know, people who've bought my, my book, I do like consultations for free. So like oh, wow. happy, happy to hop on a call with people for just give advice on like entrepreneurship, traveling, whatever they want to talk about for 15 minutes. Like one of my, my big value ads for the book. Oh, that's awesome. That's a really good deal. Yeah. Great. Jump on. And so, then of course, anybody that uh, wants to continue listening to us you can find us uh rate review subscribe on spotify and itunes and you've got us on twitter at uh cwb podcast and on instagram it comes with baggage pod 
Anything longer than you can fit in a DM or a, a tweet, you can always email us at comeswithbaggagepodcast at gmail.com. And I think that about wraps this up. That covers us. Cool. We'll see awesome. you guys next week. Thanks again. Bye.